I'll tell you guys a quick story about my life. Anyone interested? Yes, please. Okay, cool. Um, me and my wife, Amber, it's Amber over there. Amber and I. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Brett always calls me on that because I just, I don't get it right ever. And it's just like, yeah, anyway, not a great start to the talk. Um, oh, it's a good one. Oh, who said that? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, four years, one month ago or two months ago next week, me and Amber went on our first date and we were just like, yeah, it was cool. We just having coffee, just chilling and just like, like we kind of both knew that we liked each other but neither of us had said it yet and it was just kind of, it was just that day. This was the day to say it. And uh, we're just chilling, talking and stuff. And then eventually I was like, you know what? Yeah, I like you. And she was like, I like you too. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. Um, <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, so then we just like started talking about, oh, maybe we should like, date or something like that would be kind of cool and then and then we're just like talking about it and then I was like oh I'd be, I'm so excited to like one day I literally meant one day I was like in the future I was like one day talk to you about my theology on marriage because I am literally so excited about this and like it's just yeah I just have to tell you about it and then I, I couldn't actually keep it in I was like I have to tell you about it right now and so literally on the first date before we even like <laughs> dating I downloaded to her my entire theology on marriage and why I was so excited. She was just like, ah, cool. <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. And, um, but I, I made sure to like, you know, mix it in with like, don't worry, I'm not saying if we're going to date, we're going to definitely get married. Like, just chill. Like, I'm not like that. But I just am excited about it. And like, I'm really excited about tonight because like, um, I really love how God has designed this world so that things that are just like natural parts of life actually tell us stuff about him but then you don't know that your whole life and then one day someone tells you and and they go you know marriage is all about like pointing to jesus in the church right and you just go holy crap so everyone's marriage around me is actually a sign pointing upward and it's just like oh my gosh we're living in metaphors like you know what i mean like it's crazy um anyway so yeah so we're, we're kind of like smack bang in the middle of um of like talking about love at the moment so like I'm going to give you a quick recap just I really want you guys to get like the stepping stones of teaching night especially if you've been following along since like week one if you haven't all the recordings are online um yeah so we did like truth first of all like you can't start anywhere unless you know what I'm saying is true then faith faith to like to do something with that truth right to apply it to your life then uh what was after that I'm literally spacing right now. Now, hope was before faith, actually. So it was, it was hope and then faith. And then it was like, oh, yeah, the goodness of God. And then it was like righteousness and that sort of stuff. So it was like like the truth of the gospel. Now you can apply it because of faith. And then what's the main message? Well, righteousness, because God has imputed to you his righteousness through his son. And now no longer you're a sinner, but you're actually a son in the family yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to get that part out right. But then I was like, that can't be the end of the story because like, what's the point of being righteous if you're not going to do anything with it? So that's why I moved into love. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like the end of righteousness is that you would walk in love and 
be kind to one another and love God. Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm righteous. I'm just going to sit here the rest of my life and just bask in my own righteousness. Like, that's <laughs> stupid. Like, God wouldn't do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But anyway, so re- does that make sense? Does that, like, does that trajectory make sense? Because it really makes sense in my head, but I'm not sure if everyone else gets it. But anyway, so we're smack bang in the middle of love. So, like, we're like week 26 now. Something's awesome. I guess it's half a year. Hey, 26. Whoa. Whoa. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so we did like the love of God a few weeks ago. Then we did uh, love one another at church. Then we did listening to one another. It's all like love kind of stuff. Then we did last week the church and God's weapon of love. And so this week, like that, that's a lot of like theory and a lot of like theology and a lot of like Bible stuff like that you don't really talk. You don't use that language in real life, right? But now I want to get into the practical stuff of like, like relationships and marriage and family and that sort of stuff because like that's how I see it work in the Bible you start with like the theory and you go okay I get kind of like how God is and how he works and so on and so forth but now I've got to go and do it right so tonight's gonna be like doing it <laughs> you know what I'm saying um yeah cool um okay so this is what I'm gonna share tonight I'm gonna share with you tonight the primary way so not the only way but the primary way that God intended for us to know, experience, taste, and live in the self-sacrificial love of God that we've been hearing about. Does that make sense? So this is not the only way, as in marriage, is not the only way that you can experience and walk out the love of God. Of course, there's plenty of different ways, but it is, in my opinion, the primary way and the most personal, deep, everyday kind of way. Like, it's an incredible design, and we'll get into that later on tonight. Um, Yeah, anyway, you guys ever notice that basically every Hollywood movie that has, like, a story about a guy and a girl getting together, usually the movie will end as they, like, finally get together. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, and they lived happily ever after. And you just kind of assume that their life was just bliss every single day from then on. But... Like what I what I, I've noticed is like Hollywood doesn't find the everyday kind of monotonous being together a guy and a girl really all that interesting. In fact, all they really find is interesting is when the guy meets the girl and it's exciting and it's this new person and do they like me? I don't know. Uh, she's got an ex boyfriend, but you know what I mean. Like all this like drama that goes on. It's like that's what we get excited about in pop culture, but no one really cares about the day to day. Just like like a long-term committed relationship like that sentence is just like so dull and boring to this whole world it's like oh yeah marriage sounds amazing same person every day the rest of my life can't wait like (laughs) that's how our culture thinks about it it's like that sounds horrible like i don't want to lock myself into a contract the rest of my life where i can't get out i don't know what i'm going to be like tomorrow i don't know what i'm going to be like in two weeks why would i lock myself into the rest of my life with this one person what if they change (laughs) what if they annoy me what if they are not as pretty in 20 years? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, Hollywood, in my opinion, has pushed this idea that the fun part of relationships is the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not the middle part. Honeymoon, and honeymoon, honeymoon phase, exactly. And that's the thing. When you get into a relationship, you are totally, I reckon almost everyone goes through this, you're totally in a honeymoon phase where it's like, This person 100% completes me right now. I literally have no other need in my life. I'm so excited to be with them every single day. They cannot, they cannot do wrong. 
they are they are god <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like everyone maybe not that, that extreme but everyone starts with that like like i am obsessed with you kind of because yeah, the feelings are there the emotion the excitement is there but then it always leaves do you know what i'm saying like it 100 percent always leaves like i knew about it before me and amber started dating and i knew it was coming one day but then i was like a year and a bit into our relationship i was like it's not common. Like this is, I feel the same way I did when we first started. But then like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years in, it hit me and I was like, holy crap. Like I literally was like, I don't feel what I once felt. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with us? Maybe we're done. All those thoughts start going through your head, you know what I mean? But that's just, you're literally just leaving that excitement phase because Hollywood and pop culture and stuff is so obsessed with that phase. And like usually people, like honestly, people break up after that phase ends they go and find someone new and start the whole process all over again. And then marriage gets pushed to the corner because it's just like, it just doesn't sound fun, doesn't sound exciting. It sounds boring and stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, what I want to say is that marriage is not any of those things. It's not boring, stupid or lame. Um, my big idea tonight is that marriage is the primary way that we can ex experientially know the love of God experientially know the love of God. So as an example, right, you know when you open up a board game and you like start reading the instructions because you've never played it before and you're like, holy crap, this sounds like the most confusing thing in life. And you're like, I do not get this. Like, and it could be like the most simple game, like Snap. And you're just like, I just, I can't deal right now. It's just, the instructions are just insane. But then you start playing it and in like 10 seconds, you're like, this is the easiest thing of my entire life. And the difference was you experienced it. Does that make sense? So you can know about something like you can listen to all these talks on love and all the theories and all the theology and all that sort of stuff and Christ laid down his life and all that sort of stuff. Until you start doing it, you won't know it in the way that you're supposed to know it because you're supposed to also know it through experience. Does that make sense? Like when you go and study at uni, you come out with all this theory and knowledge, but then you're, you're still kind of useless for the workplace, mostly. Like I didn't know almost anything when I left uni. I'm surprised they even gave me a job because the first websites that I make, I make websites for a living, they were crap. Mm. I'm like, what were you guys thinking hiring me? But then I started to like apply that knowledge and I used my experience and I, I started getting more and more equipped. And then I actually knew it a whole lot better. Does that make sense? You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. So marriage is the experience, literally every day laying down your life for one another and then you get you get more and more each day what love looks like. Because you can have this idea in your head, but until you actually start walking out, you really won't get it. You won't be excited about it. Who gets excited about theories? Like only nerds, do you know what I'm saying? So not. Sorry? So not. So not, exactly, 100%. Um, yeah, we get excited about experiences and fun stuff because you're actually living it out. You're living a life, that's what's fun. So yeah, marriage is fun, the end. Um, now I'll keep going. Um, I'm obviously, okay, I'm obviously gonna talk a lot about marriage in particular tonight. And I know that this topic can potentially bring up a ton of hurt, especially if you've like been through divorce or your parents were divorced or there was like cheating, lying, manipulation, all that sort of stuff. I know there's tons of hurt in marriage and I know it's like not all just like glamorous and don't hear me talking like that because I'm not. I'm literally just gonna talk about God's plan. But um. Or it might even like, like seem super irrelevant to you because you're just like not planning on getting married or you're just like super happy being single right now. But I promise you, 
there's like, I'm going to talk a lot about marriage, but I'm really not talking about marriage. You guys know what I'm saying? I, marriage is a sign. Like I used this example before, but um, when you like, let's say you're driving to the Grand Canyon in America and you see a sign on the road that says Grand Canyon three miles this way. You don't stop there and start taking pictures of the sign because like mm -hmm. you, the sign's not the point. The sign's pointing you to something else, right? Marriage is pointing you to something else. So don't, don't go, oh, marriage, sweet, I'm not even married. I'm just going to like switch off right now. No, no, no. There's a point behind all these points. I'm just saying that this is a really physical, natural, everyday thing that you can look at and go, oh, God's like this. I should be like this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, which is super relevant to everyone, regardless of whether you're going to be married one day or never or whatever. Anyway, hope that makes sense. Um, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, point number one for those of you who are taking notes. Um, the design, the design of marriage, number one. All right, so quick recap. Remember how I said that God is love? Remember how I said that? Because um, the Bible says that. Um, <laughs> God is love. And love is, like this is a quick recap, love is above all, all else, not self-seeking. In my opinion, that is the best way to sum up the word love, not self-seeking, not about the self, not selfishness. I seek your benefit, not my own. I lay my life down for you so you benefit and you advance and I, I stay back. That's love. That's what God's like. He is radically other-centered and he views no one as a means for him to, be, to benefit from. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, I can get this from them. I can make myself feel amazing because they are da-da-da-da. That's horrible. That's not God. Do you know what I mean? We, we do that. We use people to, for our own advantage. God ain't like that. God looks at people and goes, how can I bless them? How can I build them? How can I encourage them? You know what I'm saying? Um, he looks for opportunities to serve and bless rather than be served and be blessed. That's just who he is. He's all about you guys becoming what you were created to be and image him. He's all about that. And he doesn't just want you to image him because he's like, oh, I'm the best and I want you guys to image me and I'm, I'm amazing because I'm just God and whatever. He's like, he knows that, like, he knows that he's above all, right? He knows that he's God. He's the, he's the top dog. So if you try and image anything else that's below him, he's like, hang on, that's not the best thing for them. That's what's driving him. Not like, I'm amazing, so image me. The point is, I'm amazing, so I want you to image me so you can experience all of me. It's about you benefiting. <laughs> Does that make sense? He's other people centered. Um, and he doesn't tell you to worship him because his ego needs stroked. You know what I'm saying? He, he knows that if you worship, um, worship anything other than him, you'll hurt yourself and you'll hurt others around you. See, he's, it's about protecting people, protecting you, building you up. He's not like, worship me because I am God and I am worth it. <laughs> L'Oreal, because you're worth it. Um, so. <laughs> Is that the line? Yeah. yeah. Damn, I've been listening to TV. <laughs> what did you say, Rich? Maybelline, actually. No, Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it. Yeah. Oh, Even I knew that, Rich. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I don't partake in those. Uh... Yeah, I was going to say, lucky I don't work in a hair salon every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> love. Um, okay. Yes. God has placed things in our lives just in the way that na life naturally goes to teach us more about this selfless love. And this selfless love, it makes up his very core and the place where the rest of him flows from is that selfless love. So there's things built into this life 
that you can know and experience that actually tells you, shows you, and allows you to taste part of him. And marriage is one of those things. Sex is one of those things. Relationships is one of those things. Anyway, um, so let's flip to hear the first thing that God says about marriage. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, for those of you who have your Bibles. I didn't hear a lot of flipping. Not many people brought their Bibles tonight. Oh, yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. So God's just like created everything. And he was like, yeah, this is good, but it's like not very good. And so he creates man and he goes, it's still like not great. And then creates a woman. He's like, yeah, it's great. Um, that's like my version of creation. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, he creates, he creates a woman from the rib of the man, which is like symbolic because she's not in front of him. She's not behind him. Like chauvinist, feminist, she's beside, a helper, together, equal. I like that. Um, it's cool. Um, and then verse 24. So Adam like sees her and he like sings a song over her. Like that little section there is like a little song, which is pretty cool. Um, and some people think that's actually like, because this is like one of the first things that actually is said by man on earth. Some people think that like in heaven's all going to be like song, like everyone's just going to sing. There's no actual, because this is before the fall. <laughs> anyway, it's just a theory. Um, <laughs> don't waste your life following that theory. It's not probably, yeah. Anyway, um, verse 24. Therefore, which means because of all I just said, da, 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 da. therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they should become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's a pretty cool verse. A couple of verses. Um, so first of all, I want you guys to notice the order of things. First of all, a man shall leave his father and mother. Then, then he'll hold fast to his wife. And then they should become one flesh. That makes sense? Leave home, get married, then you can have sex. Makes sense? What we do is we flip that all the time. Like, you'll have like, it's just so common in our culture. You'll have a quick hookup one night, then maybe you decide kind of like that person, maybe. And then you later consider on getting married and then maybe consider leaving home. And it's like literally backwards. It's just like, dude, that's not cool. That's like totally not what God intended. Um, but in, in all that, God is trying to teach us that before becoming one flesh through sexual intercourse, you must be married and cling to one spouse, right? And th there's a reason for this. It's not just like, I just make these rules just so I can annoy you and make you have to suffer for all your teenage years and with incredible hormones. And then you have to just like, just suck it up and just deal with it. Wait till you're 25 or 30 to get married. Sorry, just, I just like annoying you. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, this is actually like, this whole setup is actually an analogy for what he is like. So try and, try and follow me here for a second here. Before you can be intimate and vulnerable and physical with someone, fully exposed, fully naked, you must make promises that you will cling to this person the rest of your life. And what that shows is that that's exactly what he is like too. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't claim to know you and be with you and relate to you face-to-face, -face, all that intimate stuff that's in the Word, right? Before he says, 
I love you. I will always love you. I can't love you anymore. I can't love you any less. I will always be here for you. And, and so in that environment, that environment of love, you're able to go, oh, okay. You're literally never going to leave. You're actually never going to change. I can just be myself then. You're not going to love me any less. And then you can relax because you're not trying to impress him so that you can be intimate. <laughs> you can chill out. You can go, hang on, you love me. You love me. And I can actually, in that environment, in that scene, then you can go, okay, intimacy. But if you flip the two, which honestly, probably, I'll just be real just because I know like, like the, just the general gist of things, most people in here probably flip the things. Like you've gone for intimacy first, you've sinned sexually, like with someone else or against yourself, whatever. Probably most, I just, I, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, I know from experience, just chatting with people, probably most people have. We flip the two and then we, 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 we point the finger at God and we, we wonder why we're so upset. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you need to understand that that promise, that clinging, that holding fast to, to his wife, that's actually what made sex so beautiful in the first place. Because then you could actually not put on a show because you weren't worried about the other person leaving or being, oh, I didn't please you tonight or I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't quite living up to your ex-girlfriend or I wasn't, all these things that go through our heads. You can chill and you can go, no, no, you love me. I can actually fully, freely be myself now. And in that environment, intimacy can grow. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Vulnerability is, and that, that's how you get. Verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. See, probably m most of us in the room have probably been like naked and ashamed. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? Like probably most of us have like some sort of secret sexual sin or secret guilt or secret darkness, like a porn addiction or like, even not that sin that you did, but sin done against you, like sexual assault. Like it's this, it's, there's so much shame around sexual sin. Like I almost know nothing, no other topic that's sinful that people keep to themselves. I'm pretty sure this is like, if not the only one, like one of the only ones. You guys know what I'm saying? People just, we're not comfortable talking about it because it's such a shame kind of thing. But God goes, and then they were both naked and were not ashamed. They were happy to talk about it. They were happy to express how they were feeling. They weren't ashamed. They weren't trying to impress the other person. They weren't trying to measure up to some cultural standard. Like, you know, all that, all that crap that's just out there. Like, anyway, getting ahead of myself. But you guys know what I'm saying? Literally, it, you, you, can't, you can't have the, the unashamedness without the clinging of the promises. That's what's beautiful about marriage. That's so what's... It's like a twosie becoming a onesie. <laughs> and then to make yeah. a onesie, a twosie, you've got to cut it in half, and that's not pleasant. Uh, <laughs> you lost me there. <laughs> but if, if, if you do it the other way around, yeah. and if you try and make a onesie okay. two people, because they're already one, it, it's messy. It hurts when you get cut in half. Yeah. Is what that's you're trying to say. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Well, the last part is, and they should become one flesh. Now, Probably no one here believes that. <laughs> and they should become one flesh. <laughs> but they're two people. Bible goes, no, they're not. Didn't you just read what I just said? The two should become one flesh. It doesn't just mean that they're going to join sexually. It's like, no, no, I don't see them as separate. I see them as one. 
You guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's heavy. Two people and God goes, no, 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 one. Because they joined sexually and had these the, the promises, the vows. The best part about any wedding is the vows, 100%. Doesn't matter how good the food is, the dancing, whatever, that's all fun. 100%, guys, you've got to get into the vows. <laughs> the vows are like the bomb. Do you know what I'm saying? They're the most unique thing on this earth. Like, they're, they're so st stupidly hectic and heavy. Like, you never say anything like that the rest of your life. Yeah, I'm going to be with you, you, this one person, every single day, no matter what, forever. You never say anything like that the rest of your life. You guys know what I'm saying? The vows are just like, they blow my mind, literally. If you actually mean what you're saying, you're insane. <laughs> to enter into marriage, you're insane. <laughs> it's potentially like 70, 80, 90 years. And you're like, yep, let's do it. Like, that's heavy. Like, we had Ben and Ange over the other night and I was like, oh, is that cool if I mentioned you guys are together? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's one way to announce it. Sorry, I fully blanked on that. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. Okay. I just thought you might want to tell people yourself. I don't know. Anyway, they're together. They're boyfriend, girlfriend. That's really cool. Um, but if me and Amber had them over. Sorry? Okay. Me, me and Amber had them over for dinner and we're just like talking about like relationships and marriage and all the good stuff. And um, we were trying to freak him out. I was like, dude, like, because you, you, you guys have this plan of like, if, if you're together, I know you guys, you love Jesus. You're going to go for marriage. Like whether or not you get married, you're going to go for it as best as you know how. And we were trying to freak him out being like, dude, like just look at each other for one sec. Just look at each other. Just look, look straight in each other's eyes. You're going to be with that person every single day, rest of your life. You okay with that? And we're like, yeah, sounds good. And I was like, damn, that's impressive. Because like that is, it's not easy. Do you know what I mean? Like to say for the rest of my life, every single day, I'm gonna do one, this one thing, be with this person. Yeah. That's heavy. Can I just say something? Yes, of course. It's pretty heavy, but once you get through all the different stages mm. and you come out at the stage where John and I are at, yeah. it's pretty damn good. Oh yeah. It's kind I of mean, all over again, oh. you know? Dude, I fully agree. I, I know, that's why you didn't want me to tell the story. <laughs> um, Oh, like you're preaching to the choir, Kathy, because like, <laughs> um, I freaking love marriage. Like, that's why I'm so excited to talk about it tonight. But what I'm saying is, it's not this light, fluffy thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, like relationships, generally speaking, out in the world are pretty sort of light and fluffy. Like, oh, we'll see how we go for a little bit. Like, see if we like each other, see if we, we have chemistry, you know what I'm saying? If not, we can just call it. That's cool. So marriage is just like so opposite to that. It's just like, nah, you, me, forever. Yeah, let's do it. Till death do us part. It's heavy. It's heavy. But in that heaviness, in that really like deep, like incredible promises, God goes, yep, sexual intimacy thrives in there. And you can do it without shame. Sex has this place to just be like, this isn't weird. <laughs> this is not strange. This is not dirty. It's not gross. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, this is awesome. And it's like not weird and it's not like I feel so guilty and weird and you guys know what I'm saying? Mm. Anyway, I think I made that point.
Um, cool, cool. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and overall, I want you guys to see that, that the reason that he, he makes marriage like this, to this intensity, to this extreme, is because he is like that. He has promised you already how much he loves you. He's promised that. He's shown that. He's demonstrated that. He's not all talk. He demonstrated that. He sent his son, right? We're all talk sometimes. He ain't. He's like, I'll prove it to you. Sends his son. Um, and and that, that actually means you can be intimate with God because he has this never-ending, unchanging, irrevocable love for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just be like, oh, you, you love me that much? That's, it. That's insane. But in that place, intimacy, once again, intimacy grows. So it's not just about husband and wife here. That's, that's the sign. The sign's pointing to something bigger, which relates to all of you. And that is that you can be intimate with God. You can be one with God, actually. Because that's why the husband and wife become one flesh. Because it represents God and his people becoming one. Yeah. <laughs> It actually says, this blows my mind, I've, I've brought this up before, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, um, talk, it actually talk, it's talking about sexual sin and that sort of stuff, and it says, uh, we are one spirit with God. But I've never heard any single person preach on that, because it's too scary. It's like, oh, are you sure you can say that? Doesn't, that doesn't sound right to me. You're saying you're, you're one with God? Yeah. The Bible says that. One with God, one in spirit with Him. That's insane. Anyway... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, actually throughout the whole thing, it says so many times, I will never leave you, I will never take you, I'm with you, I'm here for you, I'm, I'm not going to leave, I'm here with you every single day of your life, no matter what season, right? Does that sound familiar to you? Marriage vows? You guys know what I'm saying? See, it emulates, it emulates Him. You get to enter into it. Marriage is amazing. You get to enter into this sacred, holy thing. And we just treat it as a big party. <laughs> that might last, might not. I'm not saying we, the world does. Like, people are not excited for marriage, they're excited for weddings. <laughs> it's true. They spend so much ridiculous amount of money on, on weddings to have an amazing, awesome party with all my family and friends celebrating our love. We don't need a piece of paper, we're just celebrating our love. It's like, dude, that piece of paper represents so much more than you think. Like, if, if you follow traditional Christian vows, like, like uh, or Jewish vows, dude, and, and you mean it, that's, that's incredible. That's so heavy. That's so insane. Anyway. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I know, I know I just brought up that whole, um, like, shame with the sexual sins and stuff. I know so many of us struggle with it. I've struggled with myself for so long. Like, I... I'm stoked to say that God's like really helped me with it. Like it's been awesome. But there's such like shame. And it, was, it, was, it was such a like dark place in my heart. I fully kept everything to myself. Didn't tell anyone. I was too scared to think what they, what they would say about me. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but what I want to say is like, I've had probably uh, four or five people in the past few weeks just come and talk to me about just porn. And I was just like, dude, that's freaking awesome. Like you just... You just, you had this dark place in your heart and you weren't cool to share it, but you just did. You were vulnerable and you, and you confessed it to me. Bible says as you confess your sins to one another and, and, we, and we pray for one another, you will be healed. Wow. If you don't confess though, 
I, don't, I think that blocks the healing, in my opinion. That's why he wrote that verse. Confessing your sins to one another. Be open with someone. I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I just feel like because I touched on it. Find someone that you do trust and just say, you know what? Super struggling right now with sexual sin. Just super caught up in it. Have no idea how to get out. Been trying for six months. It's not working for me. I need help. I reckon even in you doing that, there is such power. God's grace is all over that because you're just like, I can't do this right now. And sexual sin is the most entangling sin by far. You guys know when I said like, I feel like I lost my um, relationship with God a couple of years ago. It's because of sexual sin. Because I was caught in it. I didn't know how to get out of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So entangling. It was just a mess. I wish I just had the, had the boldness to at least tell someone. You know what I mean? Confess it. At least try and get out of it. Rather than just like beat myself up all the time. Feel guilty. Feel like crap every single day. God hates me. Woe is me. Anyway, I, I would love if this community became a community where it's like you don't share everything with everyone, but you have a few people that you know you can trust, like genuine people in your life that have like demonstrated their love for you and their trust for you that you can share with and just open up and just say, look, super struggling right now. I think, I think a little bit the whole um, uh, righteousness, a little bit is pushing us a little bit in the in direction of like, I can't share when I'm hurting, can't share when I'm broken but totally you can. And we, in fact, we need to be sharing when we're broken, when we're hurting, when we're in sin. Like, no one's going to judge you. <laughs> I'm not judging you. Like, I just want to see people set free. And if that's something that's blocking them, totally feel free to share. Just be open up to someone at least. It doesn't have to be me. It could be anyone. Anyway. Say so again? Yeah, absolutely. So good. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to marriage for a second. So honestly, overall, that true intimacy, that true vulnerability and that true shamelessness that's actually possible in marriage, marriage is freaking good. Like I am not just saying this from a biblical standpoint, I get to live in it, which is why it's awesome. I freaking love my marriage so much. It's like my favorite thing in my whole life. I'm so, so blessed. Like me and him have so much fun together. We just, we just have fun together. We just like dance and just make stupid snapchat videos and just <laughs> seriously it's just like that's just life like it's just good and we just hang out with people and we get to do you know what i mean like it's best friend there every single day like i oh, it's awesome and it's not taking like no work it's a lot of, it's a lot of work consistent work every single day i'm holding to what i promised you two years ago we've been married two years now i said heavy promises to you i'm gonna keep them i'm just letting you know and it's not just like, it's like, I'm just going to find a way to put up with you. That's not what I promised. I said I was going to love you every single day. And what does love look like? Pure selflessness, lay my life down for her. Instead of me waking up in the morning going, how can I, you know, have an awesome day today? I, it's about learning to think about how can I bless her today? How can I make sure she's having an awesome day? How can I go make her breakfast? Just little things like, how can I be a blessing to her today? That's what I promised. I promise that and I intend to keep it. And in that place, an incredible relationship grows. And I've seen it in me and Amber's relationship. I've seen just like, cause I, I'm not boasting anything. This is literally God working his love through me. Like it's just me and him working on it together. I've seen Amber come more alive, become more like feeling of security. Like I'm safe here. Nate's actually never ever gonna leave. He doesn't wanna leave. He actually wants to be here. We have so much fun together. And she can just go, and I can just be me. 
How cool is that? <laughs> I can just be me. How freeing is that thought? Oh, I can just be me right now. Sweet. No pressure to be anyone else. And that's what I want. I want her to be her. <laughs> I married her for her. I don't want her to be anyone else. And that me loving her like that allows her to be like that. Marriage is freaking amazing. Don't sell it short. Don't, don't run with the culture. The culture just tears it apart. Less and less people are getting married every single year. Marriage is lasting uh, less and less each year, the average of it. I think it's like 12 years at the moment. That's the average in Australia. It ain't long. You said till death do you part. People live more than 12 years after they get married. You know what I'm saying? People, marriages are falling apart and I know sometimes it's out of our control. Like it's horrible things that happen. I get that. But what I'm saying is look at God's design. He wasn't intending that. Anyway. Um, anyway, but some of you might say, and I, and I would fully agree with you, but Christians usually don't have good marriages. <laughs> I've definitely thought that in my life. I'm just like, okay, if, if this is your ultimate design for marriage, God, like leave your father and mother, cling to your wife, and then to become one flesh. If that's your design, how come I don't see more incredible, vibrant, fun, like not boring, not monotonous, not just like, yeah, we put up with each other, Christian marriages. How come I don't see that, that many of them? Like, I, I, I know I can't judge. <laughs> I don't know what that life looks like on the intimate side of things, but how come it's not like super attractive where it's like, oh, I want that. Now, this is what I think happens because God's design is flawless of how he's created things to be, Right? But what we do is we tear the bottom out from underneath it and then we wonder what the heck happened. Um, what we try and do is, and, and sin, sin does this, sin tears the design apart. And what it does is it, it removes the foundations and the foundation has to be love and not a feeling of love, self-sacrificial love. It has to be. Marriage cannot survive on anything but that. I'm telling you right now, it was always designed to be on, I give you me and I don't expect you to give me back. Even though I want, I'm inviting you, I want you to give me back, I'm just going to give you me and not expect a response right now because I love you and I promised I would love you. Um, yep, yep, yep. Um, so remember how I said God's love is mostly just pure selflessness? Like that's like the core of it, being other-centered. Well, what we do is we take God's pure version of selfless love and we turn it into something that's actually super selfish and then we point the finger and blame him when it doesn't go well for us. But I waited all these years to have sex, God. I waited till I was married. I did your plan. Why am I not satisfied? Why is my wife letting me down? Such a, she's such a disappointment to me, God. I'm just being honest with you. We say all these things. just like, you don't get it. <laughs> we, what we do in the church, and it's just, it's hitting me more and more how ridiculous this is. We just smash young people with sexual purity with no revelation of what it looks like to lay your life down for someone else. We go, don't have sex till marriage, don't have sex till marriage, don't have sex till marriage. Every single Christian hears that five billion times growing up in the church. It's like, okay, I won't do it, fine. Lay off, <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> um, but what we should be doing is teaching and demonstrating what it looks like to lay your life down. Then you'll go, oh, I have a reason now to fight for purity before getting married because I want to present myself to my husband slash wife pure like I fought for that that uh, that purity it's not this like oh I hate it I hate it where it's just like just suck it up you're gonna have these incredible 
amazing feelings going through your body, but you just can't do anything about them. And Tosh is just like, yeah, just abstain. Just make sure, just, you, you'll get married one day. God will bless your marriage one day if, if you just hold on to this thing. It's just like, dude, that's not what it's about. See, see how it's like that self? Oh, I'll actually get something good in return if I do what God tells me to do. And then you turn this law, not this law, but this like guide, this design of like laying your life down for someone else into this thing that now blesses you. And now you've approached marriage out of need, not out of a, a, a desire to lay your life down for someone else. And you're super disappointed because that person has not met what you expected them to meet. And you were promised all these things. When you get married, you can have as much sex as you want. When you get married, you can have a friend to hang out with every single night. When you get married, it's just all sweet. It's all roses. No, it's not. It's hard work because love is hard work. Love is hard work every single day. <sighs> Jesus. Um, when we remove the foundation of selfless love and laying down our life for our spouse from the marriage, literally everything will slowly fall apart because you'll turn it into something that's supposed to be blessing you and you're not satisfied and so you're encouraging your spouse to go and see a marriage counselor so they can get themselves sorted so finally you can be happy again. That's what people do. It's just, it breaks my heart. You're, you were supposed to lay yourself down. You weren't supposed to have any needs when you came into the marriage. Yes, you're, yes you have sexual needs. Yes, you have like physical needs. I understand that stuff. But you don't come there to get them fulfilled. You come there to lay them down and bless someone else. That's where great relationships grow. I'm telling you, like, honestly, when me and Amber got married, I had, I did not have this stuff sorted out and I was super disappointed with just things that went on in marriage. I was just like, this is just not what I thought. It's not what I expected. It's harder than I thought. Da, 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 da. And then God was just like, you don't get it. You promised you would lay your life down. That you would love her like Christ loves the church. How did he love the church? Well, he put himself on a cross and took her off. So do you do that for your wife? No, you don't. You view her as someone who's there to meet your needs. And, and he, that's, sorry, and that's yeah. the same as when you're praying as well, like in a marriage, when you're praying and you're saying, oh, I, you know, I need that person to do such and such, to change in such and such way. You yeah, exactly. How you pray, because yep. if you're saying that that person needs to change, in actual fact, you're the one that needs to change. Because Absolutely. Absolutely. Like See, Exactly. Exactly. One is motivated by love. One's motivated by just evil self. Exactly. One's God. One's Satan. To be honest, just call it like that. <laughs> one sin. One's righteousness. Seriously. You can't. Don't ever view your spouse as someone like, oh, finally I can get what I want. No, you can't. But the best part is when you realize that no, you can't. Then you actually do. Because then you actually find like loving someone else and seeing the joy on their face and seeing them change and transform absolutely 100% priceless. No, you cannot compare it to anything in this world. Like I had Jace over last night for dinner and he goes, just hit me this random question. I was like, well, this is out of nowhere. He goes, what's the worst thing and best thing about your marriage? And I was like, whoa, that's hectic. And I thought about it for a bit and I was like, I can't remember what I said about the worst thing. That's probably not important. <laughs> but um, best thing was, uh, I can't remember how I said it, but I was like, the best thing is when God leads you into his love, then you can actually apply that love to someone and then seeing that person's face 
once they realize that they are truly loved by you. 100% priceless. Like, and it feels all your needs. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Because your joy is finally not rooted in yourself, getting your own needs met. You're going, oh my gosh, this person feels so secure, this person feels so safe, this person feels so loved because God's working His love in me and I'm putting it to practice and being able to love this person, lay my life down for them. It's amazing. You've never seen, I don't reckon you've ever seen someone until you've seen them in that place where it's like, holy crap, I'm actually so deeply loved by this person. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not, you're not supposed to marry out of any need you have. This is where the church has fallen short so many times. Oh, you have the sexual need? Well, the only possible place that you're allowed to use that is in marriage. So what does your mind do? It goes, oh, okay, marriage will help me get what I, what I want, what my body wants. So I'm going to go after and find a wife, go after and find a husband. And it's like exactly the same thing, back in that cycle again. Now you meet my needs. Oh, yes, finally I made it to marriage. I can have as much sex as I want. <laughs> It's the stupidest thing in the world. It's so dumb. <laughs> you have to get that crap out of your head. It will destroy relationships. I promise. I promise. They'll just, your spouse will let you down daily. And it will just eat away at your heart because your hope was in them, not in God. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You put your hope in your spouse, pleasing you, what? game over. You will get sick, you'll get so disappointed, and one day you'll just have an absolute fit and be like, I can't do this right now and walk out. Maybe. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> and I'm not saying everyone out in the world does this. They don't. There's, gen there's actual genuine good stuff out in the world. There's genuine good love in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? There is. But at the most, for the most part, I've seen so many people enter into a relationship out of need. In fact, I did it myself. And it hurt me and it hurt my wife. And I really, really wish I didn't do it. But I didn't know any better. <laughs> Well, I did, but I don't know. Something happened. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, yep, yep, cool. <sighs> yeah, here's another example. Let's say you want to get married, right? So that you'll never have to feel alone again. Now you put this like super heavy weight on your spouse. Make me feel like I'm not lonely every single day. And when your spouse leaves because they have like some work thing or they've got some last minute weekend away with the boys or something, I don't know, you'll, you'll get angry at them because you put this expectation over them that they were supposed to meet and they didn't meet it. So now you're mad at them? That's not on them, that's on you. You did that because you approached marriage with need, not with love. Um, what's another one? Yeah, or you'll, if you want to get married because you, have a, you feel like you have a strong sex drive and you really want to just you really want to do it. I probably should have wrote that better. <laughs> and you really want to do it. And you've been waiting impatiently for years for when you finally get married. You will literally use the other person's body to your own advantage so you can be sexually gratified. That's absolutely zero part of God. You will use that other person for your own advantage. Oh, it's bad. But we do that if we don't have this pure hearted love. I care about you more than I care about me. Your life weighs heavier on my life than my own life does. Um, and then that person, and when you, can, when you 
can't have sex for whatever reason, you'll huff and you'll puff and you'll keep your distance or get mad or complain because you didn't think this was part of the deal. <laughs> the part of the deal, truly, when you get married is that you lay your life down. That's the only part of the deal. <laughs> so you can't complain about stuff like that. That's not part of the deal. No one, no one signs a contract saying, yes, and I will sexually please, your, like, please all your desires at least three times a week. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You can't do that. That's stupid. Or, here's another one. Sorry, I know I'm just smashing you guys right now, but we do it, so you just gotta, yeah, just t take it on the chin, it's good for you. Um, or you'll turn love, this is actually probably the biggest one I've seen, you'll turn love into predominantly an emotion or a feeling, and you think you've either passively fallen in or fallen out of love, right? But that kind of love literally cannot keep, sorry, cannot work with marriage because of the vows. So if love is an emotion and you're saying that when you make those vows that I will love you the rest of my life, you've now made a promise you cannot keep. Because you're saying the next however many years, I promise I will feel love for you. No human can make that promise. Actually impossible. Our emotions are all over the place all the time, every second day. So what happens is you go, yes, I'll love you every single day. Then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, hang on, I don't feel love for this person anymore. I don't, I don't have any sort of drive towards them anymore. And you think you've fallen out of love. You were never in love. You were in the feeling of love, but you never laid your life down. <laughs> Jesus. Um, only, maybe write this down if you're writing notes. Only true, real, self sacrificial choice-based love can carry the weight of marriage vows. Marriage vows are way too heavy for emotion to carry. Emotion just ain't that strong. But real, true, self-sacrificial, choice-based love, you make a decision, I will love you today. Only that kind of love can possibly sustain the promises that you made at marriage on, the, on your wedding day. And what, what I'm going to call this, I don't think I've ever, ever, ever heard anyone use this term before, but I'm going to call this future love. And I'll explain what I mean. Future love says, I love you and I will always love you, right? Which means, by its own definition, that it does not rely on circumstance or for feelings of love to be there. So even if things go horribly bad and there's a car crash and there's no money and there's just fighting all the time or there's... No feelings or no emotions, doesn't matter. Future love, no sleep, yeah. <laughs> Future love can dominate through that because you decide to do it. You, you decide, I will still do this even though this sucks right now. I'm admitting this sucks right now. <laughs> I don't, I'm not enjoying this as much as you're not enjoying this, but I will love you. Only God's love can do that. Human love is just... Self twisted on self, twisted on self. Got to get rid of it. But Jesus is good. He'll help you do that. Um, cool. So having said all that, wait, did I say point two? No. <sighs> Literally every week. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> point two was a loveless alternative. Um, that was all that hectic stuff I just said. Um, I like that title as well. So I'm glad I said it. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that really sums it up. All right, um, so in saying all that, you guys need to be very careful that you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus to know what love is. 
Otherwise, you seriously, you will hurt yourself and you'll hurt your partner. You need to look at him, look at what he does, look at what he says, look at how he acts and go, that love and I need to put that into my relationship or, or it'll be self. It'll be human love, which is not good. Um, or potentially you'll build a relationship on insecurity or need and it can only crumble or disappoint. Those are two options. What we need to do is not get more people to abstain from sex till marriage to solve all these issues. It doesn't. 100% it does not. I literally just read an article on the way here. Um, me and Amber were reading it and it was this girl that had like, um, maybe I'll read it out next week or something, but she had um, um, made a vow when she was 10 years old with the church saying, I will abstain from sex and all sexual thoughts and all touching and all physical stuff until I get married. So she made that vow and she actually kept it so, like somehow. And um, she got married and was just super cut, super disappointed, hated sex, just felt disgusting, shamed, just all this sort of stuff, right? And it was like, it was pretty sad to read, to be honest. And now she's no longer religious, doesn't go to church anymore. And she's absolutely furious that this church made her vow that when she was a 10-year-old girl because she didn't know anything better, right? Like the church tries to make, uh, take this stuff and go, all you got to do, just don't have sex till you marriage. And it gives literally no tool for you to actually do that. It just says, just suck it up and just do it. No, you, humans can't do that. <laughs> I've found. You'll pro if the opportunity is there, your flesh will take it. You'll go and do it. <laughs> when no one's looking in the darkness, you'll probably go and do it. I just, from experience, from chatting to people, that's what we do. But if we raise a generation that understands what it actually looks like from a young age to lay your life down and they see our generation model that, now we're talking. Then that generation should have, in my opinion, much better marriages because they'll learn from a young age, hang on, this thing ain't about me. And then in that place, oh my goodness, incredible relationships can flourish. This thing ain't about me. Jesus. Um, and literally, I only know one way to do that. So this is point number three, redeeming love. Redeeming love. Um, there you go, Kathy actually said it. Um, you guys can flip to Ephesians chapter five. It's in the New Testament. Probably one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. This is what I shared with Amber on our like coffee date. I was like, this is like the best thing in the world. <laughs> Blew me away. Um, Ephesians chapter five. <clears throat> Verse 22. If, if, if any of you is, like, sorry, if any of you are married or you want to get married, please highlight particular verses in this section here. It is what you need to have a good marriage, whether you're a guy or a girl. This, like this section, that's it. <laughs> Read this, meditate on this, apply this, think about this daily and carry it out in practice and you'll have an amazing marriage. Yep. Verse 22. <clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. You guys see there already, wife is church, husband is Christ. Wife, church, husband, Christ. Wife, church, husband, Christ. 
how the wife is relating, relating to the husband is how the church relates to Christ. And how Christ relates to the church is how the husband relates to the wife. You've got to see that. That's the, that's the big passage here. That's, that's what marriage itself points to. Like, just so you guys know, we're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ and we're going to marry him one day. All the marriages that happen on this earth, they're just a little tiny portion of the one big holy crap wedding that's coming <laughs> in heaven. <clears throat> Revelation 21, I'll read it out in a second, but it's, um, it says like, I saw the church coming dressed in a white robe, as in like a bride in all her glory. And God's just like waiting at the altar being like, I'm so excited to get married. <laughs> anyway, it is crazy. I agree. <laughs> um, okay. Verse 23 again. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as the Christ, sorry, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, <clears throat> so also wives should submit to their husbands. So that actually means that husbands, you can command your wife to do anything and she must obey. I'm totally kidding. Just relax. <laughs> I thought we were going to laugh at that. No one did. <laughs> but totally, husbands, bad husbands, bad husbands have taken this passage and used it to do exactly that. Well, God said, I'm the head. You should submit, woman, all that crap. That ain't, that ain't God. And that's not what he's saying here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Um, that this, this can be a little bit of a controversial topic because it's just like, oh, but women are independent. We, we don't have to submit to a, a husband. We don't need to feel uh, secure by having a man. I, I'm my own woman, da, 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 all that sort of stuff. It's good. It's right. I believe in that. I agree with that. It's good. But there is, within marriage, there is a, just like there is in the Trinity between God uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is uh, different roles. <clears throat> and the husband has the role of leadership in the marriage. And that does not mean you chuck commands at your wife and she must obey. That's not what it means. It just means that in terms of general direction of where the relationship is going, what you're going to be doing, the husband, in my opinion, has the final call. Does not mean the wife has no voice. Absolutely not. <clears throat> in fact, if me and Amber had a disagreement, I would totally listen to everything that she, she wanted to say and really take it to heart and really value it. But at the end of the day, if we just couldn't agree, I'd, I would make a call. Can someone grab me, grab me a glass of water? That would be awesome. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, thanks, Jax. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> true that. Um, now, does anyone find it curious that he, he talks to wives first? Anyone wonder why he does that? <coughs> Sorry? Um, I never thought about that. Maybe. Yeah, so I'm. <laughs> I'm totally open to that. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, water's good. Um, okay. I, in my opinion, the reason why, because this is actually not just in Ephesians, but in everywhere it talks about marriage, it actually addresses wives first. And I think the reason is, is because there are these different roles in marriage, that the husband is the leader of the marriage, you actually must get the woman, you must address the woman first 
Because if she's not willing to be led, the husband can't lead. Impossible. So I, that's my opinion on it anyway. Um, but there is a good, like God designed this, ma- uh, this relationship to not be dominant anyway. Like I said, the woman came from the side, not in front, not behind. There's, there's equality in marriage, but there are different roles, just like in the Trinity. And when that, when that stuff's uh, functioning and flourishing and flowing well, the relationship is incredible because God's not going to call you into some sort of oppressive, horrible relationship where the husband just rules over the wife. That's not God. God the Father doesn't rule over the son like that, does he? Just do what I say. Go down there. Get on the cross. Yeah. Son's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to. No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He went, he went on his, like, he wanted to go, even though the father sent him. <laughs> anyway. Um, next bit, verse 25. <clears throat> Guys, if you're married or you want to be married, highlight this verse. Tattoo this verse on your arm and read it every single day. Meditate on it. Meditate on this verse, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and, this is the most important part, gave himself up for her. The husband, Jesus gave himself up, didn't consider any, any of his own needs, considered his bride's needs and went after them with everything he had. That's a good husband. And that's what you're called to if you want to get married. And that will be your life every single day. Maybe not to the, ex- the extent that he went through, like literally saving the world from sin, but every day you'll be called, lay your life down, lay your life down, lay your life down. And <clears throat> I've been doing this for like a while now, I guess. And um, it's not a burden to me. It doesn't hurt to hear it. God doesn't wake me, doesn't wake me up and go, Nate, you got to lay your life down today. Lay your life down. I'm like, oh, crap, I have to lay my life down again today. I'm stoked to do it because I've seen the fruit of it. It's amazing. I'm not saying it's easy either. <laughs> it's not easy and it's not a burden, but it's good. And it's his plan. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her. Just think about the imagery of this as we read it. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So in the same way that you guys, husbands, have to give up your own lives and love your, love your wives, you also need to do exactly what he just did by cleansing her, like, uh, sorry, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the word, that he might present her. That's also on us, that we would work with God, work with our wives to present God with this beautiful daughter of God. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're called to lead her spiritually as well. Not just physically, spiritually. Guide her, lead her. It's not as if all wives need to be led. It's not what it's saying. It's saying that you guys are a partnership working together to get to this place of holy and without blemish. <laughs> in the same way, verse 28. In the same way. So exactly what Jesus just said. In the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Know any husbands that do that? Take care of their, their, their wife and 
as, as well as they take care of themselves. Guys usually spend a lot of time taking care of themselves, going to the gym, exercising, eating well, <clears throat> getting enough sleep. To that, to that intensity, to that extent, take care of your wife, look after your wife, love your wife. Because <clears throat> for no one, verse 29, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So the way you take care of yourself, take care of your girl. Because <clears throat> no, one, no one hates their own self, right? <laughs> and what, what Jesus is saying is here, you guys are one. So you need to take care of yourself because she is yourself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That makes sense? That's weird, I know. But you are one flesh. You are one body. <clears throat> Just as Christ does the church, comparing it again, because we are members of his body, therefore, a man, this is quoting Genesis 2, which we just read, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Paul right there just says the whole point of marriage, everything that God intended from marriage was to point to a greater picture of Jesus and the church, how God relates to his people. <coughs> and then, okay, this verse is hectic, verse 33, especially for girls. I read a whole book on this verse once, actually one time. <coughs> However, let each one of you love his wife um, as himself. Like what I just said, guys, look after your, your wife as you look after yourself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. <clears throat> Notice how it didn't say, and let the wife see that she loves her husband, but she must respect her husband. Guys love their wives. Wives respect their husbands. It is not the same. How a guy treats his wife can't come back the same way. <clears throat> and all guys are totally wired like this. Every single guy wants respect. I'm telling you right now. Girls, if you didn't know this, please highlight this. Please write this down. Because girls, in my, not everyone's the same, of course, but mostly want to be loved, cherished, taken care of. Mostly. That's what this passage is saying here. Guys, love your wives as you look after yourselves. But guys mostly want the respect of their wives. Did you know that? There's literally a whole book in this called Love and Respect where wives across America were just absolutely confounded by this because they never knew it. They tried to love their husband how they wanted to be loved and it wouldn't work. But when they started to respect him, appreciate him, absolute game changer, changes the whole course of their marriage because guys want respect. That's how we're wired. <clears throat> I'm totally wired like this. Like whenever I don't feel respected by Amber, I'll tell her, I go, to be honest, that was not respectful. And she's like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean to, <laughs> but um, it like, there's something about it when you, when you're disrespected as a guy, it kind of hurts. I mean, it's not like a deep sort of like emotional pain. It's just like, that wasn't right. Like you need to, you need to respect me. And I'm not saying that like a hectic, like respect me woman. It's not like that. It's like, I do deserve your respect. And that's why you should be a respectable husband. Cause like no wife's going to respect an unrespectable husband. You need to be a respectable husband. 
loving your wife as you would love yourself. That's all you need to do. Love your wife as you'd love yourself. Step one, done. Gonna have a good marriage. And then, well, if the wife replies with respect. <laughs> but let, let me tell you, girls, if you wanna get married, highlight that verse, memorize that verse, and then show that to your future boyfriend, fiance, husband, and it, it will go well for you. Promise, promise. <laughs> anyway, um, you see why I love that passage? It's just hectic, it's freaking hectic. I've read it like a billion times. I love it. Um, absolutely. What do you mean? Like, so many girls want to get married, want to have boyfriends, want to have, and they're always, not everyone, but lots. And, they, and they're constantly thinking about it, constantly going on about it. But one of the things that I've seen for a long time that works really well, and I know I've said it before, but is that if you if the girls put their mind into Jesus and stay there and learn about him, get to know him, understand him better and forget this desire for a husband, but mm. seek Jesus only, it, it Jesus just seems to give it give mm. them a husband. But first they have to let go of this desire <coughs> to one husband. Yeah. They have to first just seek just seek Jesus. Just look yeah. Drop this complete desire of wanting a husband. Sure. And and I don't know. I I just suddenly had this thought in my head that because the ma the husband is the Christ, the girl should be seeking Christ to get the husband kind of thing. Sure. Um, that actually was my experience as well. Like, and it's tons of people's different experience where <coughs> you finally get to this place where you're just like kind of all right being single. Like for, for ages, I was just like, oh, I really want a girlfriend. I really want to get married, da, da, da. And then like I was in this place where I was just like, I'm actually cool being single right now. And then that's when I met Amber. <laughs> yeah. It's like, got, I've heard that story so many times. But <clears throat> what I hate about that is people turn that into a method. Yeah. And they go, God, I'm single and I'm content right now. So <laughs> whenever you're ready, just yeah. bring them along. Yeah, but they didn't <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what I'm not, definitely do not do this. Don't go, okay, if I'm just content and I can prove to God that I, I can be content by myself, then he'll give me someone. Like, it's definitely not a method and it's definitely not a, like a foolproof, like, no. that's how I find a husband, that's how I find a wife. Like, it does not work like that. <clears throat> but in terms of, did someone say something? Yeah, I yeah. just also had a thought. Yeah. 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 I wasn't, but that's a, a really good point. Yeah. Like, so as the church, we then like respect God by like doing all the stuff in the Word. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a big thing because exactly you're exactly right. How the church um, relates to Jesus yeah. is how the wife should relate to the husband, and that's how He's designed it. He's designed men after the image of Christ, and of course girls as well, but a little bit the wives are 
designed to image and reflect the church, that part of the relationship. It is different. And <clears throat> it's not, it can't just be just respect. Guys also do need love as well. You need to love your husbands as well. But I'm saying the primary thing is respect. And the primary thing the church needs to do with God is respect Him, honor Him, revere His word, respect what He says, respect what He calls you to do. Don't have this other relationship where, relationship where it's just like, oh, I'm a son, so I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You need to respect Him. You need to submit to Him. There is a sense in which you're part of the family, of course. But there's also a sense in which He's the master and you're the servant. You can't, you can't lift up one and say, this is the only one that it is. Like me and God are just father and son. We just do our thing. He's also the king. <laughs> He's also the master. And you got to listen to him. There is an element of that in how you relate to God. There must be respect there. And if you take, try and take that out and just say, no, nah, it's just father and son. We do whatever we want. I've seen people do that. And it just kind of sucks. Like you need to, you need to hold both, both in contact. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, <clears throat> girls, learning how to respect your husband, best thing, I reckon. Just, I'm speaking purely from experience. I'm just like, when I feel respected and appreciated, oh my gosh, appreciation for guys, huge thing. Appreciation and respect, your relationship will go well. It will go well. Um, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Any more questions? Can I ask you a question? Absolutely, you can, Jenny. Do you think Jesus can be a boyfriend to a girl? Especially if they're in, like, especially if it's like... <clears throat> Like Christian women being single, yeah. Talking about yeah. before, yeah. Can they actually be in love with him as you know being single? Yeah, yeah. That's such a beautiful question. I love that. Um, totally. I think like the intimacy that you experience <coughs> with other people here. Once again, it's a small little reflection of the intimacy that you will experience with him. It's not the other way around. It's not like I'm closer to people here and God's kind of far away. He gave you the closeness of those people so you can understand how close you and him are going to be and are. Do you know what I mean? So <clears throat> in terms of making God your boyfriend, I don't know if I'd call him a boyfriend, <laughs> but I could totally imagine if someone wanted to live a single life and that's totally cool. Go read 1 Corinthians 7. There's a whole chapter on uh, being called to singleness. Some, some of you will be called to singleness and that's totally and utterly respectable, which <clears throat> is why I said this is the primary way of God demonstrating his love and experiencing his love on this earth because what if you're called to singleness and you're not called to get married? Then can I not experience it? No, of course you can. It's just going to be different. But anyway, um, what was I saying? Boyfriend. Boyfriend. Um, <laughs> thanks, Danny. Um, yeah, I totally think that if you, if you were called to a single life and you're just like, I'm going to make like that, that place where I, w I want that husband, I want that wife, I'm going to make that Jesus. That's such a good, healthy, right thing to do. Totally. Fully agree. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Good question. Thank you for asking. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Any more questions? <coughs> Can I just say as well, like, Absolutely. what Dan and Kathy were sharing, um, I think there's such a, like what you were saying about not being like, all right, God, I'm single now, like, I'm so content, where yeah. is he, like, I think it's really honoring and really healthy to, like, go into that time being like, actually, I'm not single because I'm trying to prove that I'm content or because I'm trying to figure out my own, well, there's, like, a need for that depending on your situation or whatever, but, like, 
actually going into that season like really intentionally being like I'm actually honoring my future husband right now like whoever that may be maybe you don't even know them or whatever but like going into that time of just focusing on Jesus and like really pressing into getting so content with him and so intimate with him and like what you were saying Jen like literally not necessarily like God being your boyfriend but like falling so in love with Jesus that like he's your source to the point where you actually don't necessarily need the other person and it's more of an overflow of just blessing them out of the intimacy that you have with God like Mm. just this this outpouring of what you've established with Jesus like in your time by yourself and then it's a thing of actually coming into a relationship with someone or into a marriage or whatever it is like being so content with just you and Jesus and you actually never then have to expect your husband or your boyfriend to be someone to you that they were never designed to because they can't fill that gap. Wow. And like you're literally just setting yourself up for such disappointment. Yeah, totally. You're setting them up for so much hurt because they'll feel like they can never satisfy like your need and it's really unloving. Like it's actually not love to yeah. come to someone and be like, oh, I just need you to tick these boxes. Like I need you to fulfill me in this way, X, Y, Z. Like that's not love. Like love gives. And mm. you have to receive from Jesus because he's the only one who can ever satisfy <coughs> that need. Like Fully. Yeah. Like it's Preach it. not loving to come into a relationship with needs. Like yeah. That's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, mm. totally. It's not love. Yeah. It's called love and it has the appearance of love because you say I love you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You say lovely things and you and you basically act like you're in love. Mm. But to act like you're in love is shown when you lay your own self down. I've said it like a billion times tonight, but that's what it is. That's how you demonstrate love, is you give up something that you would get so someone else gets something. You bless them and you don't worry about what you're going to get back. That's God. That's love. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I know you've had experience with that too because it's just like when you get to that place where it's just like you literally are going after Jesus on your own, and you actually find true contentment in that, as in you're actually not just doing it being like, oh, I can't wait to get married and finally feel actually content. Yeah. No, 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 no. You actually go after him and he ticks all the boxes that you have in your heart to be ticked. Yeah. When you, that is such a place of empowerment because once you have all your boxes ticked, so to speak, like you said, then now you can go out and find a spouse to love and to bless because mm-hmm. you don't have any other, other needs to be met. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You actually go and look for people that you can go and love and to bless and to serve. And then that's when you find even truer and deeper joy because then you get to see them experience it. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I've never, I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Because it's like, it's so random. <laughs> random? <laughs> no, it is because it's like, when it's, it's hard to understand, but I kind of get it. Yeah, yeah. Not in the way that I don't understand, but it's interesting. Yay. That's awesome, Jenny. Thank you so much. Um, any more questions, comments? We're almost at the end. <coughs> we good? All right. So, having said all of that, marriage is 100% absolutely incredible. I'm not just saying that from a biblical standpoint, like saying, oh, look, look so incredible in the Bible. No, it's freaking amazing. Like, set your, set your, your sights really high on marriage respected talk about it in such a way it's just like this is incredible mm. think about it like that it is amazing you've given your whole self to another human being and they've done it back to you and all you can do is just trust that they mean that it's a big thing you know what i'm saying marriage is incredible like look forward to marriage if you're not married i know most of you aren't married look forward to it it's awesome 
And don't hear me saying that it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's freaking hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Can I get an amen, those people who are married? <laughs> no? <laughs> Literally, hardest thing I've ever done. Hardest thing I've ever done, 100%. When, when it's just like, when it's just like, like you like are tired and you're just a little bit over it and all these things that pile up in your mind and then you realize that you need to take care of someone else first, that can be quite hard to do. <laughs> quite a challenge. But I'm not saying it's not beautiful because it freaking is. Especially in those moments when you really don't want to, God's like, oh my gosh, they're still going to do it. Oh my gosh, they get it. They get me. They get my love. Holy crap. Not many people actually get me. <laughs> Legit. We twist it. We twist his love. You know what I mean? Into our own versions. It's just crap. Um, so yeah, marriage is incredible because it's, while it's so much more than this, it is predominantly a platform for experiencing, um, for, for experientially knowing the love of God. Like I said before, with the whole board game thing, right? Or even like when you start, when you start a job and you just had like, you started a new job and you've got all this training and you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to freak out. I don't know how to serve people at Woolworths. This is way too much information they gave me. And then you start the job and you're like, holy crap, all I got to do is scan an item and press a button and say, have a good day. And you're like, that's like the easiest thing in the world. And all that training just freaked me out. All the theory of it freaked me out. Yeah. When, you, when you do it, it's just like, oh, I know this so much better now. You know what I'm saying? That's what marriage does. Every, it's a training ground. Training ground for love. You'll be so much better at loving people when you learn how to love your husband or your wife because it's every day. It never stops. It never ends. You never get to the finish line. And death's not the finish line like, oh, I finally made it. It's like, nah, bro, that was prepping you for heaven where you're going to be loving people the rest of eternity. And if you don't love love, you're going to hate heaven because it's all about love and laying down yourself because that's what he's like. But I'm telling you, there's energy, there's joy, there's life, there's vitality in that. Don't think of it as a burden or as a drag or I can't do that. I can't be bothered. I'm too selfish. No, it's freaking amazing. Just get over yourself, put yourself down and let Jesus just work it through you and say, yeah, God, I want that. That sounds awesome. Say it to him. Um, Jesus, <clears throat> he loves the whole church like this. You get, you, get just, you get given in marriage one person to do this with, but he does it with everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? He selflessly gives his whole self to them. And, and he goes, okay, I want you to experience a, a bit of my joy that I went through when I did that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make marriage like that. And so you can do what I did for the whole world with one person. Can you handle one person? And like even one person is hard. He did it for everyone, but one person, yeah, it's enough, I reckon. <laughs> um, but in so doing... You get to know way more about who he is, how he works, and what this world really needs. I'll say that again. In so doing, you get to know way more about who he is, how he works, and what this world really needs. You might look at me or you might look at other people that are teaching and go, like, how do you get this understanding of God? How do you do this? How do you do that? Like, honestly, a lot of it comes from uh, marriage. Like my, my understanding of love probably mostly comes from marriage. I'm not kidding. I didn't read about it in a book. I didn't read about it even in the Bible and go, I'm going to apply that to my life. No, 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 no. Every single day I get to practice it. Practice it. I'm not perfect at it. I'm just doing my best that I can every day. 
But that's why I get so obsessed with it because I'm just like, I've, guys, I've literally I've found so much joy in this. Jesus was telling the truth. Like you, when he goes, you'll find your life when you lay it down. He was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He goes, when you lose it, that's when you'll find it. But if you try and keep it, then you'll lose it. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> but truly, lay it down and you'll find it. You'll find the actual true life that you were intended to live in. Oh, baby, so good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and also that last little bit I said, what this world really needs. This world needs people laying down their lives for other people. When, like, when you start practicing this in marriage and walking out and knowing it and learning it, you'll then walk past people on the street and hopefully your mind will go, that person's life is more important than my own. How can I serve them? How can I love them? How can I pray for them? that will start to naturally occur in your own mind, in your own heart, because God is changing you to be more like Him. He's more concerned about other people than getting His own needs met. Mm. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I said a lot tonight. Gonna, yep. You like it? <laughs> Thanks, Ange. Um, okay, okay. And also, like, as you're viewing other people as more important than yourself, it doesn't mean letting them walk all over you. But what it means is you passionately go out of your way to make sure they are blessed despite what it costs you. Am I making that clear? Don't become this person who's like, oh, you're more important than me, like you're a doormat. That's not God either. God's like, I'm just passionately going after what I know you need and the best thing for you. That's love. Um, And look, honestly, the goal for marriage is not that you would end up being this angry, grouchy old person. (laughs) This angry, grouchy old person who's learned to cope with living with someone else. That sounds miserable. When you just learn to kind of put up with each other, I'm like, oh, we made it to 40 years. Yeah, but you made it there in such a horrible condition. I don't want to follow that path. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's not just about the years, it's about the quality as well. Did you have fun the whole time? Did you love and like dance and like enjoy and become best friends the whole time? Or did you learn to put up with one another? Pay the bills, tick the boxes, keep the weeks rolling. You know what I'm saying? It's not just about how long you can be married for. It's about the quality of it. Um, but the, the goal is that you would be someone who has... I get this. I like this. You, you, that you would become someone who has perfected dying to themselves every day over a period of decades. Wow. Makes sense? You wake up every day. I'm going to die to myself. And then do that again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Soon, you become like... <clears throat> Like the best person I can think of is my mom. A lot of you guys don't know her, but she's literally just like so freaking dead to herself. It's ridiculous. She just does not think of herself as like someone who has needs to be met by other people. She just genuinely doesn't. It just blows me away. But um, because she's practiced it every day, laying her life down for her husband, laying her life down for her kids, for God, every single day. She's practiced it and you can tell. She's put the hard yards in. And the result is she looks more like Jesus than... Almost anyone I've ever seen. It's just insane. <laughs> but it's what it does. That's what love does. It changes you. It transforms you. Um, so, yeah. So that you become that person who's perfected dying to themselves every day over a period of decades. So that <clears throat> every day and in every way you can be love to God and to other people as you were intended. See the whole point? He's just trying to get you back 
all marriage, all relationships, all sex, all that sort of stuff, the whole point, he's leading to this one final destination that you become as you're intended to be, which is loving God and loving other people. Do you know why it's what you're intended to be? Because that's what he's like. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about others. And he's leading you to that place. And marriage is the path that's going to take you to that place. And we're not there. That's why we need 80 years practice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, becoming someone who views their life as something to be thrown away for the sake of loving others. Jesus. All right, final thoughts, then we'll close. <clears throat> this talk is supposed to inspire those of you who are married to grow deeper in love and respect for each other as you meditate on Jesus. For his, um, on his, on Jesus' love for his church. Like those of you who are married, there's a few of you in here. I want to inspire you. Grow deeper in love and respect for one another. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Go deeper. There is more. There is way more. Go deeper. You could be doing it already. Awesome. Go more. Go more, go more, go more. Reflect on Jesus. Um, it's supposed to encourage those of you who aren't yet married to go after marriage with the goal of laying down your life and to tell you, yeah, this talk is to tell you that your desire to be married is a very good thing. If, if you guys aren't married and you want to be married, that's such a good, awesome, holy God, sacred, spiritual thing. That's not... That's not you living out of your own needs and your own wants and like all that selfish stuff. That's not it. That's a good thing. You should want that. God made you to want that, in my opinion. Not all of you have it. Some of you will be called to be single. But if you do have that desire, be encouraged because marriage is freaking awesome when you do it the right way. It's a good thing, man. It's real good. Um... It's supposed to show those of you who are single and are thinking of remaining that way that God's self-sacrificial love is evident in all of creation and design and you too can walk in it experientially as you reflect on Jesus also. Remember I said this point behind this point tonight? It's not just about marriage. It's about love. And it's about what you created to be, what you created to walk in, love the rest of your life. And if you want to remain single, totally you can do that. There's actual advantages to remaining single. Paul writes a whole chapter on it, 1 Corinthians 7. Um... If you want to remain single, go for it. You have my blessing. <laughs> you have God's blessing. You know what I mean? Um, but in my experience, not many people are called to that, just from what I've seen. Um, it's also supposed to soothe those of you who are coming from a background of divorce or lying or cheating or broken relationships, <clears throat> that that was never God's intended design for your marriage. And that if you'll humble yourself before him and ask him to heal you of your past hurts, then he will because the word says he is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34. All that stuff from horrible relationships are, is bad, I know. And especially in our area, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness. I know the stuff in this room tonight that's like, it sucks. And <clears throat> people have a really low view of marriage because they've seen what it does to their parents or their kids or whatever. But what I'm saying is God never intended that and it wasn't God's fault. And maybe it wasn't even your fault either. So don't leave here feeling super guilty or feeling super hurt or broken about it. Just like understand that God is for you and God is for your joy and for you walking in love. That if you humble yourself before him, ask him to heal you of your past hurts, he will. And he'd be very close to the brokenhearted. If you have broken, if you have broken hearts in here tonight about family stuff, family stuff is so heavy. It's like the heaviest thing ever. People go through family hurts. I hate watching it. It's heavy. But the word says he is close to those, who, the brokenhearted, who, who are brokenhearted. 
he's close to you he wants to heal you set you free from that stuff and and he's the ultimate relationship reconciler i've seen crazy relationships come back together because he just loves doing it <clears throat> it's supposed to encourage all of us as believers to respect and submit to christ as as wives should do and to emulate and sorry as wives should do to christ uh, sorry to their husbands and to emulate and live out of god out of god's amazing and ridiculous selfless pure love among one another and for the world around us. If you get nothing else from tonight, if you, you just thought it was all about marriage, it wasn't. It's about love. Live for love. Hopefully you got that message. I said a lot. <laughs> um, all right, let's close on this passage. This is ridiculous. Actually, close your eyes because this one's like cray. Um, Revelation 21, 1 to 4. <clears throat> and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. <clears throat> the end. That's that's the um, that's the wedding that we're all going to, guys. I'm pretty stoked. You're all invited, by the way. Actually, you're the bride, so that <laughs> you have to be invited. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Any questions? Anything? Jesus. Yay! All right. Thanks, guys. Love you. Peace. <laughs>